To Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I am your host, Lori LeBay, and my guest today is Norm McNamara. I'm going to do our standard introductions before I go into a thorough introduction with Norm's, but you know, we are going to have a powerful conversation. We always do. He is one of the leading advocates um, around the world and is just doing phenomenal work. So I can't I can't wait to tell you more about him. For those that are new to Alzheimer's Speaks, um, bottom line, we are an advocacy-based group and a media platform out there to shift dementia care from crisis to comfort around the world. So if you haven't subscribed, um, please do that today. We do these shows um, frequently, usually a couple of times a week, and we interview people at all levels and um, all size businesses and, and individuals as well. It's about raising everyone's voice. We we say that we're not about sound bites, but sound information for people living with dementia, their families and professionals as well. And I get that. My mom lived with dementia for 30 years and so did our family. And I get um, the isolation, the fear, um, the exhaustion, but I've also seen the beautiful side and the life lessons taught by this disease, the joy, the, the purpose, the passion, the connection with wonderful, wonderful people uh, that you will meet on this journey. I always like to give a shout out to the Memory Cafe directory. Uh, you can find Memory Cafes in the U.S. and Dave is now starting to put together Memory Cafe directories around the world and other countries. So just go to memorycafedirectory.com. Those are for people living with dementia as well as uh, their care partners. And they just have a blast. They're very meaningful um, peer support groups that are, are fabulous. I also want to give a shout out to Stall Catchers. They are doing marvelous work. Stall Catchers is a game that has been developed to actually analyze real Alzheimer's data. So you can help out researchers by going to stallcatchers.com. And then Alzheimer's Disease International, a lot of people aren't familiar with them. They do wonderful work and they every September they put out a World Alzheimer's Report, which is available to us now. So just check out Alzheimer's Disease International. And then I have to give a big shout out and thank you to artists. I've um, been to several of their communities in New Jersey and Illinois. I'll be going out to Massachusetts here this next month, and they have just been wonderful. I, I love their organization, they, what they are providing people living with dementia and their families in the communities. I'll also be in um, Alabama, uh, November 20th and 23rd, so I'd love to see you there. So with no further ado, let me introduce Norms, and I, I could talk all day to do an introduction for Norms because he has done so much for so many. Um, Norms has been living with dementia since the age of 50, and he has not let that stop him one little bit. He has found 
new purpose and passion. And if someone tells him no, he says, go, uh, I'm going to go for it. And he continues on his mission and his belief and passion of bringing people together, you know, with this disease. Some of you may have heard about the Purple Angel Project, and which is fabulous, started by Norms Living with Dementia, and which is a symbol of a globe and a, a, a purple angel. And it has gone, I don't even know how many countries it's in, to be honest, because it just keeps spreading and spreading and spreading. What it does, it empowers people to say they're connected with all dementias. They are dementia aware. They don't have all the answers. None of us do, but it gets the conversation started. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that started, I want to say in, was that 2012? And then in 2013, he started adding international ambassadors and he started with 50. And um, I was lucky enough to be picked as one of them, but there are many, many more than 50 at this point of spreading the word and working together. And, you know, the Purple Angel is something that doesn't cost people anything, you know, just time and energy and people want to be drawn together. So he, he is really in the forefront of, of pulling people together around the world for dementia. He's very involved with dementia-friendly communities and businesses and various products. Um, you also may have heard of um, World Rocks Against Dementia. He has worked very hard on that project as well with, with Wayne Metzger. Norms is also an author. If you followed him on Facebook, his writings get you to laugh and they'll get you to cry. And uh, they're very moving. They're very honest. I mean, he, he tells it like it is because that's the only way that we are going to be able to really support people if, if we don't have these honest conversations. So his new book is called 50 Plus Shades of Dementia, Dementia Poems um, Written by Someone Living with Dementia. He's also written the book um, Louis Body Soldier, and I think a few others out there, but those are the ones that I'll mention for right now. So welcome, Norms. How are you today? I'm well, thank you very much, Laurie. How are you? I am doing wonderful. I thought before we start diving into the book, I wanted to to read just one of your poems that I just think sets it up. And it's the first poem in, in your new book. And it's called In Case I Forget. Yeah. In, in case I forget when glancing at you, the one who makes me complete. Dementia may have won my mind, but my heart will never defeat. In case I forget the children we've raised or the hundreds of stories I've told, shed not a tear for blessed we are, for who forget one day we are old. In case I forget to tell you how much you're cherished and treasured each day, my best friend beside me to brighten the path and carry me all of the way. I may greet you someday with questioning eyes as a stranger, with whom I've just met. Still, I love you, my darling, with all my heart. Please remember in case I forget. That is just like, whoa, you know, I, it's just so moving. Um, but I think it's so important for people to, to know the deep connections. And it's not just about the words. It's, it is, you know, you're ever forget, you know, connected by heart. And I think sometimes people push away because they, they forget how intimate our relationships are and, 
and they get scared. Norms, you you have done such fantastic work. And like I said, your writings, they always get me in tears. So Norms, where does this writing come from? If if I'm very honest, it comes from um, the love of my wife. I absolutely adore her. Uh, I was blessed the day I met her. Um, I bless every day that I'm with her. And, and I just need her to know that no matter what we go through, you know, and if I get worse and worse and I do forget, that I will always love her and there's nothing ever going to change that. And I do believe that there's so many people out there with dementia who want to say that but are maybe unable to do so because of the illness and because they're so far down the road. And I'm not speaking for them. I, I can't. I have no right to do I'm speaking for myself as though I'm talking to my wife saying, I promise, you know, please don't forget, we've had all this. It's been a wonderful life. This is just a blip. This is just, you know, don't see me as I am now with the dementia. See me as I was before and carry on seeing me like that. But I do believe there's lots of people out there with dementia who feel like that. You may not be able to put it across in words. See, you've nearly got me going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I was going to say, you know, when you say see me as I was, but you know, Elaine has to be, and your whole family, and all of us as your friends are so proud of you as you are today. What you have done, I would say as a friend, don't let that piece go either, because it is incredible what you have done. I will, I will fight and fight as long as I can. Um, you know, I, I have to say that when I have meetings with my steering group, and if I say, I have an idea, they go, oh, no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because your ideas, they're not these itty-bitty little things. They just, they blossom and they grow. And you, like I said, you just have this way of including people and, and making it feel safe and empowering people. I mean, the conversation has grown so much. Um, because you've given them a platform and you've given them the tool with the Purple Angel um, to get out there and feel like er- everybody has that power of one. And I think, uh, you know, I do that when I speak too. I, th- I think it's so important to, to light that flame under people and just to say, hey, if I can do it, you can do it too, you know? Uh, that, that's actually one of my favorite sayings, you know. I've always said, uh, if I can do it, Believe me, you can, because this is not what I do normally. This is not what I did all my life. You know, I was just a manager or a factory worker. I was nobody special. You know, I didn't do this as a job. But now I've found that I can do it. i found a voice. And yeah, I hope to find, you know, to help other people find their voices. And to say, you know, we are here. We're living. We're laughing. We're loving, you know. Yeah, and we, we love life. I, I absolutely adore life. You know, every day is a bonus, and I enjoy every day. Every day there's something different. Every day something something different happens and makes me laugh. My children make me laugh. Uh, you know, I have a favourite saying that when people, if I meet someone and they get a little bit, you know, a bit short, and I always say, you don't frighten me, I've got kids. <laughs> you can't frighten me, I've got children. <laughs> Well, that's good. Um, Norms, uh, you know, we were talking before we went live and I said, you know, I was picking out that, that poem and you, the book is, is pretty fresh and hot off the press and you've already had somebody call and ask permission to use it. If you wouldn't mind sharing 
that story a little bit. Yeah, I had a, a friend on uh, Facebook, one of the my friends who's on there, who'd unfortunately lost her father to uh, dementia. And she said that she loved the poem so much, could she read it out at his funeral this week? And of course I said, yes, I said, it'd be an honor to. My book's out there to help people. My book's out there for people to read. And if they want to read it out at funerals or they want to read it at memory copies or conferences, any poem they want, that's absolutely fine. I have no problem. It's out there for a reason. And that's for public consumption. And anybody can use any bit of it. I really don't mind. You have always been so gracious with that. And I think, you know, poetry and videos and, you know, we have all these different mediums that um, connect with people. I know on my website, um, poems are probably one of the most powerful that, that people, they just love reading poems. And then they end up sharing some of their poems as well. It inspires them to say, oh, maybe, maybe I can do that too. You know, I remember being younger and that's how I used to express myself. I used to write poems all the time. And I, I haven't with my, with my mom's journey and I've been kind of surprised why, um, because it is very, um, it's very healing, I think, to be able to express yourself in, in some fashion regarding your emotions and, and what you're going through. Yeah, yeah, I think it helps. People say to me, does it help you? Does it help you to write? And I say, yes, yes. I mean, I can read the poems out. I can write the books and I can write the blogs on Facebook or wherever I write them. But I'm not that good at verbally saying them. Um, you know, I can sit there for hours and watch the TV and maybe not speak. And, you know, and especially in the evening when I suffer from slowdowning. You know, um, I'm never, I've never been that good at portraying that kind of emotion. But yet I seem to be able to within poems and the books. So it's almost helping me as well, um, unloading some of those emotions from me, you know, and to help other people. That's wonderful. What are some of your favorite poems in the book? Do you know any of the titles offhand? Or? Well, I, I, I can have a look. Yeah. yeah put it it up. Can you put it up so people can see the, see the whole thing there? Okay, great. I, have, I do have a few, I must admit. I do have a few. Um, one of them is, is just called the Kerhorn Bell. Uh, a Kerhorn is similar to what, obviously, you have in, uh, you call it a rest home in the States. And um, sometimes people aren't as interactive as they should be with people. You know, so this is a person who sat there ringing the bell asking for help, and they're not coming as quickly as they'd like to. But that's not to say that caregivers don't work hard. They work very, very hard. We all know they do. But this is called the Kerhorn Bell. And it says, why do you not hear it when I ring my bell? Why do I ring it several times? Please do come and tell. I may be old and frail, my hearing not so good. But you are so much stronger with youth rushing through your blood. When I lived at home and the doorbell went, I always answered it with a smile, no matter who the scent. And when I want the bathroom, it's my bell that you don't hear. So when an awful accident is my biggest fear. Or when I'm really thirsty, my mouth is so dry. Why do you not hear my bell? It makes me want to cry. Why don't you sit where I sit, if only for a day? Then I can ignore you, 
when I pass your way? A smile, a nod, a wink, or the question, how are you, would really cheer me up, and I'm sure it would you too. So you see, I may be old and frail, and my dementia makes me wonder, but it doesn't mean that I don't either eat or drink, or dream past as yonder. Sometimes I feel so lonely, sometimes I feel so down. I'd really feel much better when you come around. So when you hear my bell ringing in, my, in your ears, come and ask what's up and delay all my fears. That's beautiful, Norms. Now with that one, I think it's really important because it, it really teaches staff how somebody feels. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is the reason why it wasn't, it wasn't me having a go at anybody. It wasn't me saying the staff I do the job. The staff, caregivers, and the care workers over here in the UK and across the world are absolutely wonderful. They are angels that walk the earth. I'll just make that quite clear. This is just so how sometimes somebody feels. Even though somebody might go to them five, ten, every ten minutes, they still feel that lonely inside. So it was just to say, don't just walk straight past. Give me a smile. Give me a wave. Give me a wink. Cheeky wink. You know, just to say hi, and that's all it is. That's all it is. Well, I I think that's so important, you know, and one of the things when I'm training and things like that, I have a thing called the hybrid, and then I can say car e-giver. And the hybrid um, car e-giver, the car stands for conscious awakening of relationships. And the e-giver is about that emotional giving. And I think that that is so critical. And to me, that's what that that high, that wink, that, that smile is doing. It's connecting on an emotional level, saying you're valued, I see you, you're important. Yeah, it's, it's human nature to do that. And we respond as humans to that. You know, that's been scientifically proved. I mean, if you smile at somebody when you walk past somebody you don't even know, chances are they'll smile back. It's a natural human reaction. And it costs absolutely nothing. Well, that's, that's the beauty of it. And I think um, sometimes I know here in the U.S., um, and I think it's improving, the conversation's becoming more, but, you know, we're having some difficulties with um, staffing our homes, too. And mm. so then more tasks are piled on, and then the tasks tend to become the priority. And I think it happens with families, too. I know it did with me where I would focus on my tasks because I felt out of control, I felt like I, I, there wasn't anything I could do because there's not anything to prevent it. There's not a cure. And so the best I could do was to do these tasks. And I found even with my own mother, I started focusing more on the tasks, which then took away my relationship, or which I allowed the disease to do mm-hmm. until I reclaimed that and said, no, I, I need to refocus. And my priorities, even though the tasks may need to get done, I have to focus on three things, and that is, is she safe, happy, and pain-free, which is what I call my memory chip, and then that made me look at my tasks different, made me do my tasks different, made me realize I could kick some of them to the curb I didn't even need to do, they were there for me more so than her, and that was a really, that was a real eye-opener for me, you know, because I didn't think any of it was for me. Yeah, well, as you, as you know, my wife Elaine was a caregiver or care worker for 35 years, professional. Um, but it's a different matter when you have to look after someone 24-7 in your own home. You can't clock off, you can't 
say good night and I'll see you tomorrow. You know, you've got to be there 24-7. And I always remember one psychiatrist from the Exeter Hospital, when we met him at a conference, he said to Elaine, don't let Norm's illness become your illness. Mm-hmm. And even though she'd been a caregiver for 35 years, she said that was the best advice she'd ever been given. Don't let the illness become your illness. You know, just make sure you're okay, but you're still able and fit enough to look after those that you love. And she said after 35 years, that was the best piece of advice she's ever had. That's a, that's a really good piece of advice because every, the lines get so blurred, you know. Mm. And I think so often it's easy to blame everything on dementia. Yeah. where some of it might just be our personalities and that was always there, you know, yeah. might, might come out a little stronger or whatever. But I know that when I talk with people with dementia, that's one of the comments they make is everything gets blamed on the dementia and it's not always the dementia. It does. There's a lady now, I met me, Kathy Blesser. And uh, when she first started coming, um, she'd been about twice. And then she says, can I have a word with you, Norms? And I said, yeah, of course. She says, can I ask you a personal question? I said, yep, yeah. I've heard them all. I said, so I, I, I have heard them, I really don't mind. And she said, are you always like this? And I said, yes. Yes, even at home. And then Elaine came home and said, he is no different 24-7. As you see him now, you'll see him tomorrow. If he's in the cafe or out, he is no different. It's just noise. And I think people forget that, but people are just them. Yep. You know, they don't look at, some people just do look at the dementia or the illness and don't look at the person. You know, I will never change. I'll, I have no reason to. But I'm, and I'm too old now anyway. <laughs> well, and I, I think too, when people see you and hear you, they think, well, you can't have dementia. And then there's this, there's this underlying bullying that can come out that I, I know many of you have dealt with because people have this view in their mind that dementia is only in stages. I, yeah, well, I, I, you know, obviously, as you know, Laura, you know, I've been subject to this for 10 years now, you know, and because people can't believe that, you know, people can live with dementia. I don't say live well, you know, but live with dementia. In your own experience, your own mum lived for 30 years, you know, with dementia. I could name people across the world who were very good friends of ours who have dementia and who have had this a lot longer than me. So I'm, I like to think I'm just a mere youngster at the moment compared to some others. You know, and I'm grateful for every day that I'm like this. And I know one day I won't be. But I always say the same thing. Please don't, you know, please don't tell me off for being well. You know, you wouldn't do it in any other illness. So why, why dementia? You know, it doesn't seem, it just seems silly. It, well, it, it is. And again, I think part of it is people aren't even conscious that they're doing it. I mean, we've gotten to be such a critical society, I think, all around the world and judging and people are looking for fraud and they're looking, you know, and they think they're protecting. And yet you're like this, you know, no matter where you go, but then you have your moments, you have your hallucinations and different things. Why don't you talk to uh, a little bit about, if you don't mind sharing some of the symptoms that you have and, and how that flows in your life. Yeah. Some of the symptoms I have, and it's not every night, but it is most nights and it's usually sundown, which starts in early evening or late evening. 
Um, and, and I will hallucinate. I will see animals that are not there. Um, I will see people that aren't there. I had a particularly bad night the other night um, where I woke up screaming, shouting. And then from then, when I actually got up, I could still see the people in the room and I could still see people trying to attack my family, which wasn't there, but I could see them. You know, nobody else could apparently, and I could. And people say, how do you do this? How do you, how do you cope with this? And I said, I have no answer to that either. I cope with it because I have a coping mechanism within me that does. Some people don't. Some people will probably sleep all day after having such a bad night. I can't. I need to be up. I need to be battling this disease. I need to be fighting it, you know. I see horrific things. And I, I always say there's a difference between hallucinations and night terrors. Because night terrors is like a, it's like a nightmare, but 30 times, million times worse. But a hallucination is when you're actually wide awake and you can see things that's going on, you know. And to all the people who say, oh, well, you can't have dementia, you can't do this, you know. I always say, well, are you telling me that the psychiatrist and the consultants have got it wrong for 11 years now? Are they giving me medication for nothing? I'm on some serious medication for dementia, which keeps me well. Morally, they can't take that off me, because who knows how fast I will go downhill. So are they saying they're wrong as well? Are they saying the doctors are wrong? You know, I have all the medication I take every day. Am I wrong in taking that? It's just ludicrous. Ludicrous. They can't all have it wrong, you know? So, but I do what I do and we do what we do because it's, it's, it is what we do, you know? I, I, I don't want to change you, and I won't, you know, I am who I am. Well, in, in each dementia, you know, has little different sets of symptoms, and uh, some of them overlap. Um, and then each person, you know, they, they manifest differently, too. And so I think everybody wants this, like, perfect model of this is where it's going to start, and this is the exact progression, and it, it just doesn't work like that. Um, it does. We've had a saying over in the UK, you've probably heard it for years and years now, and it says, once you've met one person with dementia, you've met one person with dementia. And that's it, because everybody is totally different. But again, it's down to education, because people say, well, my husband's had Alzheimer's for eight years, and he passed away last week, or my wife had Alzheimer's for only four years, and she can't even feed herself. And I have to say, but I haven't got Alzheimer's. I've got Lewy bodies. It's a different disease altogether. And it's hard to try and get that message over to people sometimes. Yeah. Well, and even like my mom did have Alzheimer's and we did have her brain autopsy. So, I mean, that was a for sure thing. And, and she lived 30 years, you know, every, everybody's a little bit different. And even when the neurologist met with me to review the report, he said, and, and he's very experienced. He's, he's been doing this forever. And he's, he said, oh, my gosh, I've never seen a brain that atrophied. And then he apologized and said, oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. And then he, he took a breath and he said, but that's what we should expect. If someone had lived with the disease that long, her brain had shrunk. And there were um, also signs they saw of Parkinson's and a bluey body. And we yeah. really didn't see, we saw a little bit of tremor. Um, but nothing significant. But then, you know, she lost her mobility. And so then you don't see as much either. 
of course with that and uh she had a period where she she really i mean had body tremors and they thought it was the beginning of the end and you know called me in to redo all the the end of life paperwork and wishes and all of that stuff and that lasted for about three days and then she was fine she lived like three four more years (laughs) and and i think it's so important that you mentioned that lawyer because i think it's so important that people do do that they have that awkward conversation they sit up till midnight or further with a big box of handkerchiefs and they shed lots of tears but they've got to sort that out while they can they've got to sort out the end of life they've got to sort out you know what people want at the funerals and things like that because i think my wife looked after me for so long now how could i be so selfish to think oh well she's sorted it doesn't matter i don't want to thinking oh did i do the right thing did it did he want that is that what he would have wanted but we've sorted all that we did that early days and i know now that when i go to my grave it'll be exactly as i wanted which will give elaine and the family peace of mind so it's so important you mentioned that Laura. yeah and it, it was tough i mean you know my mom had been battling this disease for quite a while and she was kind of laying in her big jerry wheelchair while the nurse and i were sitting on her bed kind of reviewing everything again and then the nurse left and my mom was sleeping and you know my mom and i and the family had many many conversations and i knew you know the do not resuscitate was exactly what she wanted and i mean i knew all of that stuff and but i remember um saying to my mom and i was crying i'm like is this what you want in that moment i just needed to know and out of a dead sleep and she hadn't spoken for a while she turned to me and she goes yep and then she went right back to sleep again and she got me laughing but she gave me that gift of just yes lori yes don't exactly it's so important and it's so important for the family like yourself and your family you know and this is what we try to reiterate with the with the purple angel you know when i was first diagnosed all those years ago i lost 75 percent of my friends because 10 11 years ago dementia was a it still is well it's a taboo wow. um so i just got a message from elaine it's like <laughs> um and it still is but you know, I lost 75% of my friends when I was first diagnosed. And funnily enough, now, I have more friends now than I ever had. And, you know, especially across the world, you know, and they know exactly who I am and what I've got. So it's a little bit ironic, really, to think that, you know, the people you thought were friends walk away. But the people who really are your friends or really want to get to know you don't care if you've got dementia or not. Well, and, and I'm a firm believer when somebody walks out of your life, there will be a replacement that will be even a better match. And sometimes that's really hard to believe. But I know I've had that happen in my life um, many times, you know, through different transitions and choices that I've made and, and things. Um, but each time it's improved my life. Yeah. Even though it's hard to say goodbye, you know, what's that saying that, you know, there's a season for people in your life and, you know, it's kind of like that season, season change. Now you have another poem um, I I would like to read if you don't mind. It's it's Christmas time and I thought this would be a good one just because the holidays are, are coming upon us. It's Christmas time again. 
God bless you one and all. We got through this year and together we stood tall. We faced all our troubles and we faced all our fears, getting through the bad times, drying all the tears, laughing through the good times, helping here and there, showing all our courage, proving that we care. So what of the future? What will next year bring? What tune will we be whistling? So together we can sing about our hopes and dreams and how we all succeed in beating the dementia demon, we will sow the seed. For others that will follow, so no more sickness reigns and dementia demons will never call again. I loved the Christmas poem because, you know, you, you bring through the, the triumphs, you know, the hard times and you show the joy. And I think sometimes with the holidays, people are always wondering, you know, what, what about next year? What is that? I mean, it is kind of a trigger point for people. What, what made you decide to write that poem? Be, um, because I write poems at different times of year. And I write them usually at that time of year. So that I brought that poem probably sometime last year and saved it until the book came out. And I think it's important that people remember that even though no matter what you've been through in the year, there is always a year ahead because nobody knows what the future holds. I never thought for one minute when I was diagnosed that I would live this long. You know, we never, ever know what the future holds. So, yeah, it's been tough and, yeah, it probably gets tougher. But, you know, the good times really do outweigh the bad times most well, and I think part of it is, what do you choose to focus on? You know, you have a choice. You know, we, we each one of us has a choice to, to focus on what's important to us. And one of the things my mom's journey taught me, and I, and I firmly believe this, but through, through my journey with her, I've come to realize that we only remember three things. We remember the, the tears, the fears, and the joy. And the tears are for the things that we feel we've lost. And we grieve, and there's a lot of ambiguous loss for for care partners and for the person with dementia. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes care partners forget that the person with dementia is also feeling these losses too. And mm -hmm. and yet, for me to kind of get myself out of that spinning drain that's kind of sucking me down the black hole when I'm when I'm really grieving, I I always have to put in perspective that I couldn't have great loss without great love. Yeah. And then that kind of lifts me back up and go, how lucky am I? Yeah. How lucky yeah. am I in the That's first place? Yeah. And, and the fears I have found are for all the things that we worry about, we try to control. And one of the, I think, beautiful gifts about dementia is teaching us to be spontaneous, teaching us to let go of that of which we can't control. Otherwise, we're going we're gonna to spend a lot of time worrying about things that we we can't do anything about and all we're doing is planning and planning and when we're in when we're either worrying about the past and the grief and the loss or we're worrying about the future and what's to come then we miss the only place we can identify joy or create it and that's in the current moment so i i think it's so important for people to consciously be aware of where do they want to spend their time yeah, I agree. And a little known fact is that 75% of what we worry about 
never happens. Yeah. Never happens. So, you know, it, it's all about being in the place at the time and prioritising. And as for choices, I had a... My, my, my grandson's just turned 21. One of them just turned 21. And we had what we call a granddad-grandson talk. You know, we had that talk. And um, I pulled him to one side and quite simply said, life is all about choices. Mm-hmm. It's all about you. You're 21 now. You're not a child. You're old enough, you know. You have choices. You can choose to have a good life. You can choose to make the best of it. Or you can choose another path. But the choice is yours and nobody else's. Yeah. So don't blame your parents. Don't blame your grandparents. Don't stop your feet. From now on, the choice is yours. Nobody else could do it for you. And uh, yeah, it was fine. It was fine. He was probably thought it might have been a lot longer than that. But, it <laughs> <laughs> but I left it there, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that, that is wonderful. I, like I said, I, to me, you are, you are my mentor. You, know? um, you, you were the one who I connected with. And, and you know, we ended up getting the memory cafes here in the U.S. because of you. And it, it just, you, know, you were just talking about them. I'm like, why don't we have those here? You know, I didn't have to travel over there to see them. I could just hear about them. And then, you know, you hooked me up with David Light. And we have over 800 of them here now. He's sadly not with us now. I know. I know. It's, he he did wonderful work. And, and I appreciated all he did, you know, to help me get those. Get well, his legacy and yours and mine is the 800 copies that's run the United States of America. Yep. You know, I have a fair, when I go out doing a conference and when I speak, <clears throat> I always say it wasn't just the vehicles that cracked America. We did as well. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. It, uh, it, because we wouldn't have had them without you guys, you know, without your sharing. And I think that to me, that is really one of the, the beautiful things about dementia is how it's gotten people to be collaborative and sharing and and, you know, when, when you said, you know, just build them and they will come, this isn't going to cost you anything. You gave me all mm-hmm. the documents and the documents so much we didn't need because we don't have the funding for, for most of them, but there's all different kinds all around the world. And, and I surely don't take credit for all those. I think all I did was help lift awareness of them, show that it was possible to work. And then, you know, I mentored a lot of people, but then, and, and talked about it a lot at conferences and people would just get so excited, you know, and it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. It's just gathering people together. Yeah. If you, one of my favorite films with Kevin Costner was uh, Field of Dreams, as you well know. And when he said, if you build it, there will come. There was never a truer word spoken. Yeah. Never a truer word spoken because they will eventually. Yeah. Well, and like with RAD, with, uh, uh, why don't you tell people a little bit about RAD? I, funnily enough, I've just been reading about it. We've, we've started the campaign this year now, ready for next year. So next year's World Rock Against Dementia will be, the main day will be March the 28th, which is the Saturday, but we'd like people to hold an event anytime during March, um, a music event and play some music. And the beauty of it is, Laura, as usual, it doesn't have to cost a fortune. You can invite friends around for a coffee. You can make some little cakes. You can talk about the loved ones you've lost or the ones that you're looking after now and just celebrate their lives. <clears throat> so we don't expect 
um, Caesar's Palace. You know, we don't expect big stadiums or anything like MacArthur Park. All we're asking is just little, little tiny places like homes, nursing homes, or your own home. And just invite a few friends around, have a bit of a party. You know, but tell us what you're doing. Because last year we had 23 countries around the globe join in, all doing on the same day with over 100, I think it was 160 events, which means millions of people around the globe was thinking about dementia, was raising awareness about dementia, and at almost little, very anything, no cost. But they were sharing the experiences, and that's all we want to do. So if anybody out there or watches this show, who would like to join in with Rad, um, lawyer, you have my details, please contact me and we will put you on our world map. We will add you to next year's event and we'll make sure that 2020 will be even bigger and better. Well, it's so exciting. And I think one of the things that's neat about uh, World Rocks Against Dementia is, again, you're giving people an idea. And it can be big or it can be small. It's like it, it, everyone has different resources, different contexts, different comfort levels, and it's all acceptable. But the purpose of, of um, joining forces just shows the power. It raises awareness and it gets more people excited. And you guys did such a good job about, you know, highlighting all these different things that were going on. Um, it, you know, it's just, it's fun to see. It's fun to see it grow. Um, just as it's been fun to see the Purple Angel grow. Yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're now, I think we're up to 58 countries around the world. And we've got over 1,250 Purple Angel Global Ambassadors all around the world. Now, if you multiply that with their own teams and people underneath them who are doing such great work, we're talking, we must be talking millions of people around the world. And it's just an idea that's grown. And because it's free, and because we do it because we've got a passion and we take no payment for it, it's more rewarding. Well, and I love, you know, the piece that it's free. And, you know, because a lot of times people go, oh, they're not going to do it if they're not going to get paid. And it's like, yeah, they will if they feel they're making a difference. And, <laughs> and it's definitely, it's making a huge difference out there. And, and people will open up their, well, they don't, really don't have roller decks anymore, their, their phones and their contacts, and um, they will support in any way they can. You know, some may donate money towards dementia-friendly communities or memory cafes. Others may serve time or bring a treat. I mean, it's endless. Well, this is, the, exactly, this is why we have it all so open-ended. I mean, I've said in this year's statement that if you want to raise funds for the, in, in the UK, for the MP3 players that we're giving away free to people with dementia, then please do. But if you want to raise funds for your own cause in America, New Zealand, Australia, and Canada, it doesn't matter. You can do that. You can raise as much money as you want for yourselves. Just tell us what you're doing and join us on that day. And then we can make sure that we're all together and we have a record of what we're all doing. Why don't you tell people about the MP3s? The MP3 players, um, very quickly, was not my idea. It was an idea from the Live Inside Foundation. And uh, my very, very good friend, Wayne Mescar. And I asked him if it was possible I could replicate that here in the UK. Um, so what we did, um, we had one care home 12 months ago, 18 months ago now, that trial them. And basically what we do 
we send the form to the person, we ask them to fill the form in 15 of the person's favourite all-time songs, all-time tunes, all-time TV shows, it doesn't really matter. But if, you, if it's on Google, we can get it. Because we, we, we've done Polish uh, classical, we've done German classical, you know, so the language barrier is no problem. We will upload these 50 songs with artists onto the MP3, and then we will send out in the UK, we will send them out free. With headphones, absolutely free. And all we say is, if you'd like to make a donation, or if you'd like to do some fundraising for us, then please do. Wayne Mesker does the same thing in America. Our insurance won't let us do it across the world. It's just British insurance. I wish we could, but other countries can do it themselves. Again, this is something they can take up. They can do. We've got the evidence to show it works. We've got years now of evidence showing how, how well it really, really does work. And we've seen people transform from sitting there doing nothing to get up dancing and singing. It's the most wonderful thing to say. And that can happen in anybody's country. And they just copy what we do because we don't mind. Copy away. We don't mind. Well, and one of the things, too, is, you know, you're not just care homes. I mean, you've gotten these now in ambulance, um, which makes a ton of difference. We're really excited about that. Yeah, especially here in my hometown in Torbay. We were the first one in the UK to do it. And we have now, I think, 25 ambulances who have the uh, MP3s. And when people are being taken to hospital who are distressed with dementia, who are frightened of going in, wants to listen to the music, it calms them down, it puts them into a better place. But we've also found that also works with people with autism, it's with people with learning disabilities, it works with people with um, any kind of cognitive problems. It works for them. And we are doing trials now. You've heard it here first, lawyer. We are doing trials now at the hospital on the ward, which deals with stroke patients. Because we believe that the beat, the beat of the music helps people to move the hands and move the fingers. And we're getting some very, very good results. So I will keep you posted on that as well. So all this has come from the MP3s. Well, I think it's fantastic. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I've never had to ride in an ambulance, thank God, but uh, that would calm me down. I think music calms us all down, you know, if it's right, if it's the right music for us. Um, I, I think it's just absolutely incredible and, um, you know, can be used to decrease stress in, in pretty much anybody. Yeah, yeah, the hospital ones are slightly different than the hormones. The hormones are bespoke. They pick their own or they get a close member, but the hospital ones, and the ambulance ones, they have an age range of between 50 and 70, or they have 70 and over. So they've got a choice of two. But we've found that the people who listen to the 50s love the 70s one, and people who listen to the 70s love the 50s one. So, you know, there's, there's songs that are on there are songs that everybody will remember. Yeah, I would think it would be really, I mean, again, I think it would be good for everyone, but I think another target market would be children. That's got to be really scary for them as well. Well, we do. We, we, have, we do have for children with autism and learning disabilities. And um, we also supplied a young gentleman here in Torbay who has Batten's disease. Um, and he's very, very poorly at the moment, bless him. And he's only six. 
and what we did, which is, you know, is another t- form of dementia. Uh, it's an infantile form of dementia, back disease. And what we did, we put children's programmes and children's songs onto the MP3, and he loves it, absolutely loves it. So that where there's a will, there's a way. Exactly, Norms. And you um, you proved that over and over and over again. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell our audience before we wrap up? No, just sign up for that in 2020. We'll see you there. And don't, and don't forget to uh, go ahead and purchase his book either, 50 Plus Shades of Dementia. Every, every penny from the book goes towards buying the MP3s so we can give them away for free. There is no profit whatsoever. Every penny from the book sales goes to buying MP3s to help people with dementia. So it's so worthwhile. Wonderful. And you can reach Norms on Facebook. And Norms, what is your, what is your name on Facebook? <laughs> on Facebook, it's Norm Mac. It's N-O-R-M-M-A-C on Facebook. It's Norm Mac on Facebook. Okay, great. And then um, the address for the Purple Angel, if they want to go to the website? Just literally put in Purple Angel, Global Purple Angel, and it will come up. Yep, yep, or Purple Angel dash global. Yeah, it will come up, yeah. Yep. Um, and um, I've got information on my website, too, if you go to um, Alzheimer's Speaks and then go to our initiatives and, and uh, projects tab you'll see something on Purple Angel because they're they're trademarked differently over in the UK uh, versus the US here. And we can can get you um, up and running with that. Well, again, I can't thank you for all you do. And you just mean so much um, to so many of us out there, Norms. Uh, You are just such a role model and a mentor. And uh, keep up the good work. Keep coming up with those ideas to bring to your group, even if they sigh. I will try. Thank you so, so much for being my friend. Wonderful. And for those of you listening, please uh, like, click, and share this so more people can hear Norm's voice and all the wonderful things he he does. And think about being a guest on the show. We are always open to hearing everyone's voice. So you can reach out to me through the radio show, or you can go ahead and go to alzheimerspeaks.com. There's a big contact button up in the top right-hand corner. Click on that, and it'll give you some alternatives there. And again, thank you all for your support and listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.